All right, hi, this is Roland Fisher, lead pastor of Second City Church, and we hope that you're well. Welcome to our online service. We hope you leave today encouraged, full of faith, and ready to take the kingdom of God wherever you may go. But we just wanted you to know that we're so glad that you've chosen to join us today. And once again, welcome. All right, it is so good to see you today, and what a privilege it is to have you with us worshiping the living God. Now today what we're doing is we're doing actually, we're going to do part three of our new series, which is entitled Free My Soul. And even as the first two weeks, we talked about freedom from judgments and freedom from triggers. We hope that it's been not only challenging, but also liberating in a way that we're able to evaluate our interactions with the world around us in a more healthy and a dynamic manner where we see God clearly in it all. And then we're able to, in fact, be an imitator of God as we interact with those that we know and love, as well as those that present challenges to us in the world around us. And so um, today what we're doing is we're actually going into part three, which is called freedom from fears. God, free my soul from fears, because we know that we all have them. We know whether they're at the front of our minds or reticent, that they're things that drive us in unhealthy manners, and they're usually fears of different types, whether it be fear of missing out in life, fear of not reaching your potential, fear of some sort of tragedy or harm coming your way, fear of losing a loved one, fear of sickness or death itself, which God and his son, Jesus Christ, came to deliver us from. And so today what we're doing is we're going to look into two uh, scriptures, two very specific ones, and then we're going to end with a famous verse in Hebrews. Um, we're going to look first at Psalm 434, which is uh, a psalm of King David, who was known as a man after God's own heart, was a great warrior and military commander during his time in Israel, leading Israel. Um, but he also had fears that he needed to deal with. We're going to see that in an instance in his life. Secondly, we're going to talk at uh, we're going to look at one of the passages that the Apostle Paul wrote in his famous Gospel of the Romans, um, his, where he was, it wasn't a gospel meaning that it was the biography of Jesus, but he was explaining the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world around him. And then finally, we'll talk about how Jesus, in fact, delivers us from all fear. So before we do anything else, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you've given us your word to us today, and we thank you that you've given it to us that we might be free of fear free to live in the security that comes in knowing you, walking with you, and loving you. God, we're asking you today that you would help us to be established in that. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so our focus is going to be this today, that God will free our souls from fear when we actually look to hit the promises of his word. God will free our souls from fear when we actually look to the promises of his word. We're going to break the word down into three parts. We're going to look at a kingly fear. Secondly, we're going to talk about a common fear. And then finally, we're going to talk about no fear in Jesus Christ. So first, let's talk about a kingly fear. It doesn't matter who you are. You have got to come to grips with your fears, the different fears of the different types that I suggested at the beginning of this message so that you might live in the life abundant that God has for you. And King David in Psalm 34, he was at a point in his life where he was on the run. He had already been anointed king over Israel, had a great promise and purpose in God. But the thing about it is, is that in between the time that he got the promise from God and when he saw that fulfillment, there was a time of trial 
when he was on the run from his predecessor, King Saul, who was trying to take him out so that he wouldn't, in fact, replace him in the kingship. Saul had been rejected as king because he had disobeyed the commands of God. David was known as a man after God's own heart who would do everything that God commanded him to do. But still yet, in this state, David had trials. And because of those trials, being on the run from murder of Saul, he had fears that he had to deal with. And in the, on it, being on the run, he was before another king named Abimelech. And in this place, he was uh, pretending to be out of his mind so that this Abimelech would drive him out of his presence when Abimelech's people turned on David. And David spoke this way. It said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man called and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man or woman who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. And we're going to stop there because what we see is that King David, though he was a man after God's own heart, he was a man who also had to deal with trials. And if you or any person who is living and breathing in this world, God says, part of his promise to you is not that he only not only that he loves you, but that you will have trouble because of this sinful state of the world in which we live. When any man or woman is separated from God, they are living exposed to the sin that's here in this world. They are participants in that sin, living in all types of immorality, living in all types of addictions, living in all types of fears based on the sin coming their way. But they are also, you, you have to see that the people of God who are also living in God are also subject to those same, to those same issues because of the uh, sin that exists around them. You see, David was a righteous man, but he still experienced troubles of many kinds. Troubles of many kinds is what the scripture says. But the Bible says that the only way that David was able to overcome his fears is by going to the Lord and saying, God, I need you to deliver me from each and every one of them. So this is a truth we need to embrace as the people of God, that just because you're serving God does not mean you will not experience troubles. But what God also says is that in the midst of those troubles, he'll be with you. And in the midst of him being with you, he says he will deliver you deliver you from those troubles, meaning rescue you from those troubles, whether presently or in the life to come, where ultimately he wipes away every tear from your eye and restores our fallen, perishable bodies with imperishable ones at the resurrection. 
And so what we see here is that the way that David, King David, dealt with his kingly fears was to go to God and love him and base his confidence on God's promises towards him. We see that again where he says, come, I'm, let, I'm asking you to magnify the Lord with me. I'm asking you to exalt his name with me. And in the midst of you exalting my name, what are we exalting his name um, for? Because when I, um, um, when I sought the Lord, he answered me and delivered me, rescued me from not just my troubles, but my fears. And what fears are are often not just things that are logical, but sometimes illogical. Things that are based on maybe what's happened or things that are based on what you are concerned might happen. And the truth is, is God can deliver you from them both. God's ever-present help in your time of trouble, whether you're dealing with sickness, disease, ailments, or um, on, um, any type of financial or relational need. God says, I'm a present help with you in those times. I can deliver you from those fears. But I'm also able to deliver you from the fears of the illogical fears of what might happen. It hasn't even taken place, but it is something that is actually affecting your heart and mind and soul because you're concerned that it might happen. And how many of you would admit that you live in that place? Saying, God, I... I know it's irrational. I know nothing's, no, I know I've been healthy as a mug, you know what I mean, throughout my lifetime, but I'm, I'm concerned that uh, I'm always looking up on WebMD, um, like that, that condition that I fear that I might have. I'm always looking up um, like a condition that I fear my family member might have, having sort of a hypochondriac mentality. You see, God can deliver you from those types of fears when you come to him and base your life and your confidence on his promises. He says, ultimately, he wants your face to be radiant. God wants you to have a beaming countenance because you're looking to him, understanding that he's the one who forgives not only all your sins, but heals all your diseases, not only in this lifetime, if not in this lifetime, in the life to come, where he says he puts away all pain, all suffering at the resurrection. This is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that when Jesus Christ went to the cross, he went to the cross to, after living a sinless life as an example for us, he went to the cross to pay the penalty for the punishment that you and I deserve against the holy God. We broke God's commands and Jesus Christ paid for it. And because he was sinless, he was raised from the dead three days later so that he could, we could have not only forgiveness of those sins, but new life in him. And he says, I'm freeing you from those fears. The fear, the fear of retribution, the fear of punishment, the fear of actual death. This is why our faces can be radiant. I don't fear what's coming my way because ultimately I know that my heavenly father not only saves me from all my troubles, but it says that the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. And this type of fear is not the illogical, irrational fear, but it's an awe and a respect towards God. It's saying, God, I honor you and I reverence you in the manner in which you are, that you are God of heaven and earth in control of all things, and I know that you're with me. 
and because you're with me, all things will lead to life and life to the fullest as I give myself to you. It does not mean it's without trial. It does not mean it's without challenge, but it does mean that you're with me and I can see even in the midst of the trial that you are good, that I can take refuge in you, God, meaning I can find my hiding place in you. And with the beatings of life, whether it be emotionally, relationally, financially, or otherwise, how many people have ever just needed to have a refuge, a hiding place to which you could go and say, I have no strength of my own to continue this race. I have no strength of my own to continue this fight, but I need someone who's greater than I, stronger than I, who can cover me. Well, God invites you to that place today. He says, let me be a refuge for you as you turn from your sin, leave it in the outside world, and put your trust and faith ultimately in me. God invites us to taste and see that he's good and remember his promise. Remember his promise that those who fear him in the healthy manner lack no good thing. And not only that, but he says, even the strong of this world, the strong of this world, the captains of industry, the pioneers, those who are at the top of their game in different spheres of life. He said, even the lions suffer want and hunger. You know, even those who seem to have it all together on their social media feeds, they have deep needs and brokenness that they're dealing with behind closed doors. He said, even those lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. And that's our appeal to you today, is that you would be delivered of your fears in your soul by learning to seek the Lord. To seek the Lord how? To seek Him in His Word, looking for those promises. To seek Him in His Word, looking for who He is and how to relate with Him properly. In the Old and New Testament, God gives us not only His character, but commands to be obeyed. And He says, as you seek me, I give you promises, and those promises will deliver you from your fears. Seek the Lord, and he says, you'll lack no good thing. You see, that was a promise not only to um, assuage like, or help the kingly fear that King David had, but it was also something that was reiterated in the New Testament. When we saw that Jesus, in fact, gave his life for the sins of humanity, he says, while we were still sinners undeserving of the goodness that God had towards us. He said, while we're still sinners, <clears throat> not when we'd gotten everything together, but while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And if he died for us in that manner, how much more shall we live and be saved from the wrath of God by his resurrection from the dead? He's saying God wants good for those who turn to him, who fear him, who seek him. And this is why we see that in the Romans um, uh, account that Paul gives, he starts by encouraging the people of God, saying, do not fear, you don't have to live a life of fear, because God's also made these promises to you. He gives you context for present suffering, and then gives you a hope for the future recompense or reward of your faith. And he says in Romans chapter 8, Verse 18, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time, and this is oftentimes what produces fear in our lives, right? I fear because I don't want to suffer in some manner. I fear because I want to, by all means, avoid pain in my life. 
But the truth of the matter is, is that the longer you live, you will not be able to incubate yourself from pain. You will experience it in a fallen world. However, God delivers in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the suffering, and ultimately calls you to a life free from that pain through his son, Jesus Christ, at the resurrection. But he gives you context for this by saying this, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. And this is the encouragement that God gives us through the Apostle, Paul, the Apostle Paul's letter. He says, let me give you context for the suffering that you're experiencing in this present life. The reason God allows suffering is because ultimately he wants to enforce the mortality that he's placed in our lives. He wants us to ultimately have an end to this go-around of things, to this type of life that we're living, which is only a shell of the glory that he wants to bring us into. You see, no matter how much we succeed in this life, no matter how much we attain, no matter how much money we have, how much sex you have, how many degrees you have, how many good things you might find yourself doing, at the end of the day, it is going to be with pain, loss, and suffering coinciding with it. Whether it be the loss of a loved one eventually through death, whether it be the lack loss of your health as you age, whether it be the loss of some sort of relationship through um, some sort of sinful pattern that's been expressed in the world and through um, that individual towards you, or maybe it was a mistake that you made. Here's the thing. Pain is a part of this present life. Why? So that we would develop a distaste for it. And that, as God says, he would liberate us from our bondage to decay. We would say, obviously, we weren't made for this world and this life, which is now a product of sin. We were made for something else which actually breathes life into us and fills us with life rather than takes it from us. And that's the very thing that Jesus provided for us by calling himself the resurrection and the life. He said, I am the resurrection of the, and the life. 
and though you die, yet will you live in me when you choose to put your trust in me. And he says that God wants our lives to have a limit in its present state so that he might bring us into the adoption as sons and daughters. What does he mean by that? He means that basically, though we're all his creation, we're not all his children. And through Jesus Christ, according to John 1, we're given the right to become children of God, adopted into his family, his kingly family, by his promise when we put our faith in the work that Jesus did for us on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. And he says, ultimately, I want your life to have a limit to it so that you might be freed from that which is only a mere shadow or a secondary, at best, image of what he's trying to bring you into. Free of the pain, free of the crying, free of the suffering. He says, this is what the gospel is all about. He says, but if we wait for it in hope, it's the hope in the promises that he's made towards us. And he says he frees us from the fear of not only the present, but also the future by that hope expressed to us in the gospel. This is why he went on to say in Romans 8, 26, Likewise, the Spirit, meaning the Holy Spirit, helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to um, pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us in the midst of the suffering with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And let me tell you, if you belong to God, you are a saint. A saint is not just somebody that the people of God pray to asking for help. God said there's one mediator between God and man, the Lord Jesus Christ, and we're all saints as we belong to him. And we know that those that for those who love God, all things work together for the good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that we might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. And so what we see is that our fear is put to rest because of this promise that he made to us. That it doesn't matter what type of suffering I experience. He said, it is all for the good of those who love him. Because ultimately, he's trying to liberate us from our bondage to decay in this physical frame, this earthly frame, that we might join him in resurrection life, ruling and reigning with Christ according to the promise of the scripture when we put our trust and our hope in him. So where you have a putting to death of our fears of the present, we have a putting to death of our fears of the past that we're somehow going to be held to account for the guilt of our past. And that's the good news of the gospel, that you can be freed from the guilt of your past because of what Jesus did for you on the cross. But it's not only that, you can be freed of your fear of the future. Why? Because of his great love for you that he says is unchanging through the person 
and the work of Jesus Christ. That's why Paul went on to say in verse 31, what then shall we say to those things? If God is for us, which he is, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is it to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, that means anything, will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So he says, presently, I've got you. Your past, I've got that too. Your future, I'm there and I have that as you remain in me. And so ultimately, God's saying that he frees us both from rational and irrational fears. And he says there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God when we're in Christ Jesus our Lord. All it takes is repentance and faith in his Son, turning away from that which is killing you in the first place so that you might give yourself to that which is truly life, found in the person of his Son. And ultimately, it's a freedom from the fear of death itself that Jesus came to deliver us from. You see, that's what people try to convince themselves of, that ultimately, if I just don't think about it, ultimately, if I just live hard enough that I hit the wall and I end with a bang, that I won't have to deal with the consequences of what I've done in my life up to this point. But here's the truth of the matter. Death comes for us all. Death comes for us all, and God says very clearly in Hebrews that it's appointed for a man and a woman to die once. There's no karma or reincarnation. He says it's appointed for a man to die once and then face judgment, where they will have to give an account for their lives. Now, that can be a scary thing when we're honest with ourselves. When we know, even when we've been the best of people with the best of intentions, according to to the world standards, we've fallen short of the glory of God. Why? Because ultimately we've become our own rulers, our own kings, usurped the throne of God in our lives and therefore become rebels who deserve judgment. And so therefore death would be a frightening thing for any man or woman living outside of Christ when they had to pay for their own sins themselves. And ultimately, that's the reality that someone is going to pay for the sins, the wrongdoing, the sexual morality, the drunkenness, the thievery, the adulteries, the lust, the slander, the gossip, the swindling. Someone's going to pay for all of those things. Either it's going to be you, it's going to be me as I stand before God, or it's going to be Jesus who already paid for it at the cross. And ultimately, this is why the scripture says in Hebrews chapter 
2, verse 14, when he talks about what Jesus has in fact done for us, it says that he's freed us from the fear of death because ultimately he paid for the debts that we had in our accounts so that when we meet death, we not, might, might not meet God as an enemy, but as a friend. Might not meet God as one who's deserving of judgment, but one who's ready for the adoption as a son or a daughter. And in verse chapter 2 of Hebrews, verse 14, it says, Since therefore the children, meaning the children of God, share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, talking about Jesus, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Through their fear of death, subject to lifelong slavery. Even if they didn't believe in God, people are trying to make monuments for themselves, trying to convince themselves and the world that their life somehow counted. These are the endowments I'm giving, not only altogether for the benefit of others, but so that my name will somehow be remembered and that it wasn't all in vain, the pain, the suffering, all of the strife, all the angst that I felt throughout my life. God, I need to know that it counted. And people call on God without believing in him many times because they fear death. They fear becoming obsolete and a forgotten factor in this world in which we have lived. But the Bible says that Jesus became like humanity in every way, dealt with all the same temptations but never sinned, dealt with all those same weaknesses but persevered to the end, dealt with all of the, the, the same pullings and the, the, the same uh, uh, leanings that um, come from the culture in which he lived but stayed faithful and devoted to the Father. And he says that because he did it perfectly, he destroyed the power of the devil in your life and in my life and freed us who were captive to our fear of death. He said he gave us the promise of salvation, forgiveness, healing, not just in this life, but in the life to come, and eternal life, life forevermore as we turn away from our sin and put our trust in Him. And so today, as we close, asking God to free our souls from fear, I wanna pray first for those who've never really reconciled their lives with God, never given their lives to Him, and they know that if they were to stand before Him in judgment today, they would have to pay the price for their sins against Him, but they don't want to anymore. And you say, I wanna put my trust in Jesus, that I might be saved from my fears of not only the present, but my past and ultimately my fear of death. If that's you, would you pray that pr this prayer with me today? Almighty God, I admit to you today that I'm a sinner and I know that I've lived an imperfect life. No matter how many good things I've tried to do, God, I know that I've fallen short of your glory. I know that I deserve death and hell because of my wrongdoing, but I don't want it. 
and I thank you for sending your perfect son, Jesus Christ, to live the life that I should have lived. And on the cross, died the sacrificial death that I should have died. And three days later, because of his innocence, you raised him from the dead so I could have not only forgiveness of sins, but new life in you. God, would you forgive me of my sins today and make me a new creation? I'm asking you to teach me how to love and walk with you from this point forward. I proclaim Jesus as my Lord and thank you for new life in his mighty name. Amen. Now the good news is, is if you prayed that prayer, God said he's made you a new creation. So would you go with me to our website, secondcitychurch.com slash new life. There you can find not only resources, but next steps of how you can walk out this new life in Jesus Christ. And for the rest of us, I'm just going to pray a prayer of faith that God would deliver us like King David from the fears, past, present, and future that we would have, knowing that God's with us and will deliver us from all troubles as we trust in him. So God Almighty, I pray for those out there today who are dealing with the fear of sickness, who are the feeling dealing with the fear of disease, who are dealing with the fear of aging, who are dealing with the fear of things that are even irrational to come. God, as we come to you, may you deliver us of the fears that we have in this life because we know that you're with us and God can always help us as we look to you and seek your face. God, I pray that you would help your people to have the life of God in them and to walk in that confidence according to your promises today. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to continue to talk about these matters in our community groups this week. So if you've not yet found one, please do go to our website where you can find both in-person and virtual options. We'll be praying for you, so let us know how we can be standing with you. And also think about how you can share this link with others who also need to be spurred on by the grace of God towards them. Uh, do invite those same people with you to our service next week. And until then, have a wonderful week in the Lord. God bless you. We love you. And we'll see you soon.